and amen. Hopefully uh, you have your Bibles with you there and you turn to uh, and you see on the screen Mark chapter 4 verse 35 through 41. And we're going to do the uh, reading beginning there in verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified, and they asked each other, Who is this? That even the wind and the waves... Obey him. So here's this story of what took place as they had, uh, in a sense, before this, they had finished a long day of ministry along the lakeshore. And it was time now to just take a little refreshing break by taking a, a nice trip to get away from it all. Taking a nice trip to get away from it all and going over to the other side of the lake while Jesus rested. You know, probably not everybody thinks this way, and it might show my age a little bit, but I couldn't help but think of a song as they were getting in that boat and as they were heading along that just kind of stuck in my mind. Maybe you'll remember this tune. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from Capernaum aboard this tiny ship. Some mates were mighty sailing men, but disciples brought no map. Thirteen passengers set sail that day for a three-hour nap, for a three-hour nap. The weather started getting rough, the tiny ship was tossed. If not for the courage of the rescuer, the men now would be lost. The men now would be lost. What do you think? You remember that that tune? Yeah. We used to sing it to, we uh, sing Amazing Grace to that. That would be a Facebook challenge. Uh, you get your family together, sing uh, Amazing Grace to that uh, Gilligan's Island kind of thing. You know, speaking of a challenge, it was what happened to them. They thought it was just going to be a nice day, a nice trip. Uh, but apparently storms are common on the Sea of Galilee. Part of it has to do with it being so well below sea level and then having high mountains surrounding it that it can just a great storm can just hit. And this, as it's being described, the words that are used there is, is like a hurricane on a lake with the wind and the waves violently throwing the boat all around. You see in verse 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. The boat was covered with the waves. It was starting to fill up. It's in storms like these, in those moments, that it matters who you're riding those storms out with. In fact, it can be a matter of life and death that depends on who you're riding the storm out with. And in many ways, we find ourselves in the midst of a storm today, a midst of a storm all around us that 
waves are beating on our boat from all kinds of different directions. It is a storm that most of us never could have anticipated or even imagined would have lasted this long. But we can find help and we can find hope in this story here in Matthew chapter 4. As we look at one of the keys of getting through the storms of life is recognizing that we are not alone. And that it matters who we are riding out the storm with. Hence having you hold on to one another's hands earlier. In fact, if you haven't already, perhaps there are some people that you need to just give an invite. Uh, to give a text to say, hey, come on, join on line right now. Let's ride through this message together, if nothing else, to pass it on a little bit later. Because it all comes down to this. We can make it through when we recognize who is with us in the storm. How do we do that? We start first by recognizing those who are in the same storm but different boats. The story that we're looking at here in Mark chapter 4 appears in two other Gospels. But there's something in this passage of Mark that isn't in those other two. In fact, in verse 36, there's something there that I had not really noticed until about three months ago when we were working through a devotional uh, together. And I I just saw that and it just kind of hit me and stood out. Look, Look back with me at that in verse 36. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, talking about Jesus, just as he was. He's probably already just tired. He didn't have time to go do anything. It was a busy day. Just as he was in the boat. Now, we got that part, but here's the part that I had not recognized before. There were also other boats with him. There were also other boats with them. Others who had gone along, others who were out on the lake at the same time. And so this is not just a picture in this story of Jesus and his disciples in trouble in a terrifying storm, but rather there are many more in that same storm, but in different boats that are in just as much trouble. The same could be said about our current storm. All right. You got audio. We want to have audio. We will be getting back with you. Please stand by. Yeah, we need one of those please stand by signs. <laughs> yes, we know we lost the audio. We are, we are still moving. I'm still moving. We haven't frozen. Sound check. Okay, sound check. Here we are. This is the sound check. We are here, gathered together. And it is important that we have sound. Because the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, how can they know if they have not heard? And how can they hear if no one goes to tell them? And so... 
Here is the sound check to know you cannot know unless somebody speaks it, unless you hear it. And and some people are probably thinking, he's going on, but he doesn't know that we've lost. The food. I don't know if we're putting that on our screen. Please be patient. Uh, yes, we know. I mean, technically, there's a, a little bit of a buffer, but we've already lost that buffer. So, I don't know. Uh, lost our sound from what? Lord, we pray that you would. Okay. Are we letting them know online? Yeah, I need a sign. I don't have anything big enough to say, like, we will be right back. This is the time where you can pray. This is the time where you can give your offerings. Okay. Well, at the very least, we'll be able to put it. We'll be able to put it on later, right? I mean, it's. Yeah, all together. Okay. Uh, thank you for joining us back up. Uh, sorry about the uh, technical difficulties, and uh, obviously, it will be. Uh, it will be all together as one is uh, listening later as well. So but let me just get back to where we were we, before we lost you in the storm, so to speak, is that there were different boats in the same storm. And it could be said that way about the current storm that we're in, that there are not everybody is in the same boat. Not everybody is dealing with the same thing uh, and how it is affecting them. And the way they see the storm. And yet it is the same storm. I know this thought has become popular recently as there's a poem or a writing that's been circulating its way around. And, and it's a good thing, but it's important that we grasp that that's not the complete teaching of the Lord. In fact, uh, that's why this is just point one. We've got three points this morning, and this is just point one. Nonetheless, the picture in fact, this picture here kind of summarizes what I'm, I'm trying to say. You know, different, some of you have seen this, but different boats in the same 
storm or same mud, whatever, it affects differently. We need to understand this. You know, it's hard to deny that there is that it is different for those who are living in the middle of New York City versus those living in Oil City. We shouldn't define what the storm is merely from our perspective. It is different for those who have loved ones whose health is already compromised. They are already living cautiously, anxiously, uh, afraid of even catching a cold. It is a different boat for them when they are at a significantly greater risk, not just to catch the virus, but to die from it. But that is a different vote versus those who are, whose mental health was already fragile and then now has just increased their risk significantly by the changes that have been put upon them versus others who right now are at risk of losing everything and becoming homeless with no sign of hope in the future. There is no way to have enough time to describe all the different ways that different people are having to cope differently and with what is going on right now. But when asking the question, who are we riding the storm out with? Sometimes our thoughts can be so inward focused that we do not recognize that there are other boats out on the lake riding out the same storm with perhaps a different intensity, with different dangers that they're seeing but yet the same darkness. We may look at it differently, but from whatever viewpoint, the reality is we are all in a storm that we want to get out of. And like the disciples out on the boat that day, experienced this huge storm that they got stuck in through no fault of their own. How many of us could ever have imagined or prepared for what we're having to go through right now? I'm not here today to debate any of this from any particular side, but rather to call us to a reality that there is a storm that we all are facing and some from different boats and that as Christians, we are called to love that takes a responsibility to think beyond ourselves, not just for our family and our friends, not just for those that we agree with, but we are called to love even our enemies in different boats. We need to try at least to understand from others' viewpoints the storm that they are seeing and to have a greater compassion for those in those different boats. It is, and I don't know why we don't get this, but it is neither understanding nor compassion that says, yeah, I get it. Uh, yeah, Yeah, I understand, Pastor. Other people... You know, there are other people who are dealing differently with the storm than I have. And you know what? They have every right to be wrong and messed up. Every right. As long as they stay in their boat, I'll stay in my boat. If they don't ram into me, I won't ram into them. I think that sounds reasonable and a human thing to do. Except that we're not called to do the human thing. Do you really think an attitude of distancing and indifference is the Jesus thing to do? You see, here lies the problem with this one point in the sermon, if it was only this only point. If we fully buy out into this uh, different boat philosophy, we can spread a sense of individualism of my rights, that I'm right, and that I can write off everyone else that's not in my boat. But there's more to it than that. That leads us to the second point. We need to recognize those who are in the same boat 
but are different from us. Uh, Let's take a closer look at those who are riding the storm with one another in the passage. Besides those in the other different boats, those who are actually in their disciples together in the same boat, think of who they are. You got Peter and, and his brother Andrew and James and John, the sons of thunder, right? All fishermen. But then you've got Matthew, a tax collector. And then Simon, at least currently, was a zealot before he came. And then Judas, who not only is, but probably always was, a thief. And we're not completely sure about the others, although we can take some guesses, but it doesn't really matter. Here they all are together in the same boat heading across the Sea of Galilee, which is fine until they hit this terrifying storm. Nothing really matters, the differentness between them, but now they're in this storm, and it's good to have some fishermen who really know what they're doing, except this storm is so big, so huge, so terrifying that these fishermen can't handle it. And Matthew, if he was just sitting there letting them do it, is like, I'm not going down with the boat unless I'm going to do something. I can picture Matthew getting up and going over. You know, here's Peter and Andrew and James and John are over there on this side of the boat. And, and, and Matthew goes over and says, hey, guys, what can I do? What can I help? And they said, what are you doing? We can't all stand on the same side of the boat. You're going to tip us. Get over there. Get out of the way. You know, and so he, he goes over there. And Andrew, who seems to be a little more sensitive than Peter, probably said something to him. And a little bit later, obviously it becomes clear they're not able to do anything. They're not able to save them and everybody doing something and they need to get Jesus. And so maybe, I I have no idea, but I'm trying to picture the differentness here. Is that maybe he goes, Peter goes to to, uh, Matthew that he just yelled at and said, Listen, this isn't working. We need to get uh, get Jesus. Uh, Go wake him up in the stern of the boat. His picture, Matthew's mind start going. I thought Jesus was in the back of the boat. Now he's in the stern. I, I don't even know where the stern is. And there's probably that blank look. And Peter looks and sees that and trying to be sensitive. He says, he says, go aft, go aft. And Matthew's like, what did he just say to me? You know, it is so different. For us to really recognize how different they were in that boat. But they were in the same boat. And if they were going to get through the storm, they needed to be united together. In the same storm, in the same boat, and yet very different from one another. Here's the thing after that point one. Yes, there are those in that same storm that are in different boats. But we see here in point two. That like it or not, there are those who are different from us, who are not just in this same storm, but they are in the boat with us. They are in this Christian fellowship. Get it? Fellowship. Together. So those who are in different, those who are in the same storm, different boats, who are they? They are the ones who are not in the boat with Jesus. They are the ones that we're called to help Jesus to seek and to save. Who are we riding out the storm with? It is with one another, whether we recognize that or not. With we, God's people, the church, different individuals from different backgrounds, 
with different thoughts about different things, all brought together by the blood of Jesus and adopted into the same family of God that is called to be one, one body. We see in Romans chapter 12, in verses 4 and 5, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We are one. And when you look at the disciples in the boat, there are some that could not have been any more different from one another if you had tried, especially in that society compared to our society today. And yet, because of Jesus, they were one in that storm. We, the church, are to be one. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 24, But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. We're in the boat together. Do we recognize that? If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So no matter what you think about your brothers and sisters in Christ who are different from you, they are still in the same boat. And that's the way Jesus wanted it. That's the way Jesus prayed. In John chapter 17, verses 20 and 23, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are as one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. How we relate and deal with one another in the same boat, in the same Christian fellowship, will determine whether the world will see Jesus and know that He has been sent and know that He loves them. It is important who we are riding this storm out with. And we cannot write off those who think differently because we are one. If not initially, perhaps later on in the storm, think about it. The storm that we've been picturing here in Mark chapter 4, surely the other different boats that were out there in that same storm, at some point in time had to have been looking over at the Jesus boat. They... You know, they weren't just out there because they were out there. Some of them were out there because they were, they were traveling with, try, uh, curious about, wanting to know more about Jesus. They were out there. And the same storm hit them. They don't know what to do, but, but what's the Jesus boat doing? You know, this Jesus that we come to see, this Jesus, what is those disciples of his, what are they doing? And when they look over at that boat, what do they see? Do they see the same thing that people today, through this whole storm that we're going through, look over at the church and see a bunch of disciples freaking out, yelling, a flurry of activity, no better off in the Jesus boat than they are in their different boat. 
Brothers and sisters, that should not be. The reality was that really wasn't the way it was. That's just how it looked. It wasn't true that they were just is in as bad a situation as all the other boats. They weren't. They weren't. They were in a better place than all those other boats because of this one thing, and that's point three. We need to recognize in our same storm and same boat, it is with the same Jesus. It's interesting that a, a number of these men in that same boat were professional fishermen, so to speak. They knew how to swim, we would believe. Uh, they knew the lake. Surely they'd been out on big storms before, but they were freaking out. The boat is sinking. The boat is sinking. Because, why? The sky is falling. The sky is falling. That's what's happening. And I'm sure they weren't really thinking about it right away initially. Uh, they just doing what they had to do. Uh, okay, we got it under control. We'll, we'll get through this storm. We, we can make it through. It's not a problem. How many of us think that same way? Until suddenly like these disciples we look and i imagine them coming and just shouting at jesus with with great intensity as we see in verse 38 here jesus was in the stern sleeping in a cushion disciples woke him and said to him teacher don't you care if we drown others talk about we're, we're perishing it's amazing that all the things that we try to do to stop or at least ride out the storms that we're in without actually turning to jesus Who are we turning to after we realize that we can't handle it ourselves, that it's not working, that our ship is going down? Where do we turn? Do we turn to others in the boat with us? Do we turn to to vent, to grumble, to gossip? Do we first turn around, uh, first turn to those around us to help us and deliver us from the problem that we're going through and think maybe they'll have the solution? Now, please understand, I'm not saying that that's wrong to turn to those in the boat with us. But what's wrong is when we turn first to everybody else and not to Jesus. And don't put our trust in Him. For the fact is, in this current storm that we are all facing, there are those who are looking for help and trusting others before they're trusting Jesus. In fact, there are some that are trusting others in different boats. There are those who are trusting others in all the different boats. Oh, we got to trust this guy. We got to trust this person. We got to trust this. Instead of turning our hearts to the one who's in the same boat with us, Jesus. Fixing our eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith, recognizing that it is out of our hands and therefore... If it is out of our hands, our hands are free to grab a hold of Christ with both hands. When they did finally look to him, Jesus took care of things. But right after he took care of things, what were his first words? Verse 40. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? You know, sometimes we don't actually listen and think as we hear this. If you were the disciples, after that terrifying storm, you knew about storms, you could handle these things, but this was bad and you were going down. And the first thing Jesus says to you, 
why are you so afraid? What do you mean, why are we so afraid? I mean, they probably didn't say it. But you got to be thinking like, what do you mean, why are we so afraid? D- didn't you wake up enough to be able to see what we were having to deal with here? What do you mean we're, we're so afraid? You know, it, and Jesus could have responded, I had a clue. I definitely have a clue about the storm since I'm the one who created the whole earth, including the wind and the waves. My question for you is not, did you see the storm? But how come you did not see the Savior who is in the boat with you sooner? How could you forget all that you've ever already seen and heard that have done, all the miracles, all that they knew and all that we know? How many of us today could Jesus be asking that same question? Why are you so afraid? Even right here in this moment, in this storm, or for many who are experiencing not the whole COVID storm and all of that, but there are bigger storms happening in your lives that are going beyond that. By asking Jesus, why, by Jesus asking, why are you so afraid? He was not denying that it was a real storm. He was not saying that it didn't seem to be any danger. But throughout the Bible, God says again and again, do not be afraid. Fear not. Fear not. And there is a lot of fear in this current storm that we are going through here. Now, we're not all afraid of the same thing in this storm, depending on who you talk to. But there's a lot of fear. I know you can call it what you want. You can say worry. You can say a deep concern. But you know what? It's all a part of the family of fear. It's the same fear that's robbing us of our faith. In fact, all too often, we are not fighting this storm with faith. We are fighting, the sto- we are fighting in a sense, the fear with more fear. That's how we're fighting it. We're fighting fear with fear. We respond in a way that multiplies our fear, not multiplies our faith. And that's not God's way. You see, God's way in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And yet there are those out there, even within the church, so to speak, that are about giving a spirit of fear. Even in, in verse 41, where it talks about how they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? I mean, there was a sense that there was a greater fear or reverence of Jesus. But this is not the goal. God's goal is not to get us to have fear for him, but to have faith for him. That fear or the reverence is the means to lead us to the goal of faith and trusting in him alone. But instead, so often we are feeding not only the fear, but we are feeding into the enemy's plans. The enemy that tells us, that Jesus tells us, has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Do you ever stop to ask yourself, could this storm that we're going through, or or whatever it is that you might be experiencing right now, this, this battle that you are in, actually not be against flesh and blood? But rather, as Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Here's where Christians need to wake up and get on our knees before we do all the other things. 
you got to wonder if our situation would be different if we would pray about this as much as we talk about it, as much as we grumble about the storm that we're in and that we're going through. I, I even wonder about the whole storm of the Sea of Galilee here that they're experiencing in Mark chapter 4. Is it really just some simple physical earthly storm that took place that they got, they got trapped in? Or is there something more going on here? Or, or did it get intensified at the very least by the devil himself who did not want Jesus to cross over to the other side? See, that's what Jesus said he was going to do. But we read in Mark chapter 5 the very first thing that he did and what he was first going to do. And that was to encounter the demonic powers and to do a dramatic deliverance of the man who was possessed. How much of what we're going through in this storm is recognizing, needing to recognize the real battle? Because so much of our talk, so much of our walk through this storm right now is on a fleshly level. We're trying to fight it, but on a fleshly human level. But here's the thing. A spiritual battle can only be fought in the spiritual realm with spiritual power and authority of Jesus Christ. Jesus questioned them right after he asked, why are you so afraid? What's he say? He says, do you still have no faith? I know some versions say, um, do you have, why do you have so little faith? Although technically the words that's being here used here are saying no faith. You have no faith. So what's he trying to say? I mean, it's not probably literally a, that they have no faith, in the, at least in the way we think about it, because they left everything and followed him. It's not that they have none. Uh, they left everything and followed him this far. In fact, even as a last resort, before the boat went down, they at least turned to Jesus. Because let's say there are people who the boat goes down, and Jesus is there in the boat, and they still don't turn to him. So they had something, but perhaps it was that their fear was so great that for all intents and purposes, they were at a place of no faith. Uh, Faith had no place in what they were doing, especially when apparently they were at the place where they were questioning Jesus's faithfulness. They didn't have any faith, but they could question Jesus' faithfulness. Don't you care if we drown? Really? You're going to ask that question? I mean, I know they did, but are they going to ask that question of Jesus? Don't you care that we're going to drown after everything? Do we really believe he is who he says he is? With things like Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. How many today are saying that they believe in Jesus because they got a touch of religion or they got a boatload of churchianity? For those who can proudly say, they, they proudly say, hey, I was raised in the faith. That's not really the question. The question is, has the faith been raised in you? And the only way to know that is in the storm. Real faith shows up at real trials. Your storm is real. 
I'm not trying to deny that as we're talking about this, but where there is hope, where there is help, is recognizing a greater reality than your storm, a greater reality of the Lord who is above the storm, of the Lord who is over the storm, of the Lord who is in the same boat and the same storm right there with you. And a faith that recognizes, therefore, that we are more than conquerors in Christ who loved us. And so we, uh, while we may have every reason to be afraid, we have every reason except for one to be afraid. And that one is that Jesus is in the boat with us. The same Jesus that was in the boat with the disciples right here in Mark chapter 4. That same Jesus that promised, I will be with you always in Matthew 28. That same Jesus who said in Isaiah 43 verses 1 to 3. Who said, when the waters come up to your chin. I'm paraphrasing it. But when the waters come up to your chin, I will be with you. I will walk with you through the flood, through the fire. This is the same Jesus that is more real than whatever storm that we're experiencing. We've got his word on it, a word that the disciples needed to trust. I mean, think about what Jesus' word was to them, and we don't always catch it, and maybe they didn't catch it, but Jesus said to them earlier before this, he said, let's go to the other side of the lake. And that's what it says in verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go to the, over to the other side. Jesus didn't say, hey, let's go out on the lake and die horribly in a terrifying storm and sink to the bottom of the sea. Nope, he didn't say that. He said, let us go over to the other side. That's his will. That's what he said. That's his word. They were going over to the other side. It's not that the storm took Jesus by surprise or that he couldn't handle it. We know that. They know that. But for some reason, they forget what he said. And some reason, we forget his promises to us. We forget what he said. We need to get into his word in whatever area it is that you're struggling with. And somebody says, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I need to take Jesus' word. I need to trust him. But, and usually that's not a good sign when we say, but... But we got to we got to address this here. But Jesus, how could Jesus be asleep through this big storm? Well, first off, Jesus was fully God and fully man, which is why it can be said in Hebrews four sixteen that He's able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, that He knows what we're going through. He's been there, He's done that, He understands. And so here is Jesus, fully man. After a long day, only dealing, not only dealing with a lot of different things, but standing out in the sun, standing on the boat, preaching all day to all these people, he was exhausted. That shouldn't surprise us because that fully man was important for him to be able to die on the cross for us as much as being fully God. But he was so tired that it was easy to go to sleep and easy to stay asleep. But here's the key. It's not that. It's not just because of his tiredness that he could just sleep through it. It's because of his trust. His trust in the Father who had them all in the palm of his hand. Jesus could lay down in peace no matter what lay ahead. He knew things like Psalm Psalm chapter 4, verse 8. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. 
For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Make me to dwell in safety, not make need. That is God's word. Whether Jesus was asleep or awake did not matter. He had it covered. There was no reason to be afraid because he was in the boat with them. Let's face it. There are some who think if Jesus is in the boat with me, then I shouldn't even have to experience the storm. Or at least I shouldn't have to experience bad storms. But Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world that you're going to have troubles. And it's not full trust to think that God will just keep the storm from being that bad and just turn it to a light rain. I mean, that is a trust to some degree, but a true full trust in Christ comes when the true full storm comes with full force and then we trust. Here's how we can know that we trust Jesus in his word. Verse 39, Jesus spoke the word. In verse 39, he rebuked the wind and the waves and quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. He spoke. And that's why he spoke to both. And that's why they could say later, the wind and the waves obey him. Jesus stopped. He didn't just, he stopped the wind, but... Even stopping the wind, the waves still would have been going all over the place. He stopped the waves as well. Boom, right then, right there, calm, completely, clear water. Oh, Lord God of hosts, who is like you, almighty Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. You rule the swelling of the sea with its waves rise. You still them. With just one word, he calms the wind. With just one word, he calms the waves. And it shouldn't surprise us as this being some major miracle that's taking place here in Mark chapter 4. Because God, by his word, spoke. And not only the wind and the waves, but the earth was created. God spoke and the heavens were created. He spoke and there was light. He spoke and there was life. And as Jesus says, there is nothing too hard for God. And in some ways, there is nothing extraordinary about the creator of all the earth, the king of the universe, calming a storm on an earth that he created. To us, that just seems amazing and miraculous. And it is, but the reality is to God. If we really believed who he was, it's not a stretch to believe what he can do. Jesus said to be silent, to be still. More correctly, uh, to become silent, to become still. Actually, the word there uh, could be used uh, to mean to be muzzled, which is an interesting direction of these words. Some, one of the, some versions say peace, but really it's about being still. It's about being silent, the word that's there. To be silenced, to be muzzled, not only right now, but then from then on. Because if you're muzzled, you're still not going to continue to create a noise. And here's the thing. The noise that storm caused that brought about fear in their life, Jesus muzzled it. Jesus had silenced it. The current storm that we are in, there is a need for the noise that is going all around us that is causing fear to cease for Jesus to speak, be silent.
What do we do? What do we do with all this noise? So often what we do is we just turn it up. When we turn on the news again and again, when we turn on other voices to hear this person or that person, how is Jesus going to silence the storm on the outside if we will not open the door for him to fully silence the storm inside of us, to silence the fear, to silence the worry, and et cetera, et cetera? It becomes difficult to trust Jesus to be the Lord of our storm if he is not truly and fully the Lord of all of our life. This is when we need to hear his voice, the voice that would say to us, be still and know that I am God. Are you hearing these words? Not just are you seeing them and not hearing what I'm saying, but are you hearing the Lord say these words to listen and to submit to the voice of the Savior, not only of our soul, but the Savior of our situation, our rescuer. It is important as the worship team to come. It's important that we get this, not only for ourselves, but for those who are in the boat with us. It is vital, not only for those who are in the boat with us here as a church, but it is vital on behalf of those who are in other boats out there that we grasp that we are riding through this same storm with this same Jesus that was in the boat with the disciples. And here's the thing. Because we we may not have noticed that first point before uh, there. But here's the thing that we have maybe not considered. You see, when they finally turned to Jesus and trusted in Him, Jesus calmed the storm and did not only save them in that boat, but in that moment when Jesus calmed the storm, He saved all the others who were in all the other boats. Those who were in the different boats in that same storm were saved because the disciples turned to Jesus. Let's get our eyes off of saving our own little boat, our own concerns, and recognize that we have a greater mission and opportunity. For those who are riding on the Jesus boat, we need to be pointing to the true and real and only Savior that can eternally rescue us for this storm. We need to take our responsibility as the people of God in that boat with Jesus to seek His face, not just for ourselves, but to recognize that we, by doing that and seeing Jesus work, can impact the different boats, the others who are out there in the storm with us. Father, help us to recognize that we are riding out this storm. Whatever storm it is we might be in, it may have nothing to do with the current COVID and all that, but that we are in the boat with you, Jesus. You're the same Jesus who calmed this storm, who spoke just one word and everything was still. Lord, in this moment, speak the word to our hearts. Help us to be still in this moment and know that you are God to be still and know that you are the Savior to be still and know that you are our rescuer in this moment. Help us to know, not in our heads and not even just in our hearts, but in our very life and the way we live in this storm, that you are God. 
Thank you, Jesus.